Hello, everyone. It's Joanna, and welcome to Sam Magazine. doing okay? We're all doing okay. We're staying warm. Uh, We haven't maybe strained our shoulder, our rotator cuff, you know, any of our our deltoids, any of those muscles shoveling snow. I may be speaking from experience. Uh, My rotator cuff is fine. I definitely have discovered a few more muscles after the last few days of shoveling snow, but I'm not complaining. I hear, I see my listeners in Ontario, and I understand you have minus, minus 19 degrees. I don't even comprehend how cold that can be. Okay, so Ontario, I'm thinking about you. Thank you for tuning in. To British Columbia, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, ladies, for tuning in and listening to my podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you, my fellow Canucks. To those in the U.S. who've been tuning in, thank you. I am actually starting to learn which states are where, and uh, I'm just going to start listing, listing the states that have been tuning in. Thank you, California, South Carolina, Virginia, Connecticut. Maryland, thank you, thank you, thank you, and there's more. Connecticut, Ohio, Tennessee, Texas. Ah, uh, gosh, I'm just very, very, very grateful that people are tuning in. Now, today's podcast is going to be a little bit different. Okay, I don't have a short story, but I have. I'm going to be reading excerpts. From an author's book. Now, this book is more of a self help. I don't want to say self help. It's a writing book. It's, it's, I'm just going to say the title Writing with Your Muse. Now, doesn't that sound really cool? And as I've been going through this book, you know, different examples that the author, W.L. Hawken, writes about. You know, I'm having like little uh, camera flash moments of similar situations happening with me. And it's just, it's really interesting. So Writing With Your Muse, written by W.L. Hawken, has four parts. All right. Now, part one, she discusses meeting your muse. Part two, writing with your muse. Part three. Diving Deeper with Your Muse, and Part 4, 
the echoing muse. I'm going to start with the preface, okay? So starting out, W.L. Hawken writes about this book. Writing with your muse offers techniques, strategies, tools, tips, and stories to help you tap into creative inspiration and get your words on the page. Everything you'll read here is something I've explored and experienced. To date, I've written poetry, creative nonfiction, several novels, and even designed workshops using what I call my intuitive process. My books have been described as cinematic because I view each scene as if it were part of a film and choose words to describe my sensory experience. W.L. Hawken continues, you don't have to be psychic to be successful with these techniques, although the natural ability exists in all of us and these techniques will help you develop your sixth sense. There's even science to back it up. Rest assured, whatever brought you here, there's a reason, and your muse is waiting to take this journey with you. This book will help if you hear words or see images, but find it challenging to get the text on the page. You've written and published, but are searching for fresh inspiration. You have ideas, but don't know how or where to begin. You feel the urge to write, but have no ideas. Or you're suffering with a bad case of writer's block. Whether you forge ahead organically, or prefer to work with a detailed map, this book can help you become a more prolific and imaginative writer. If you do work with a map, you can use these techniques to go deep and write your outline. Later, you can use them to flesh it out. It's even included some plotting tools to get you started. All right, so that's, that's just like a little taste of, what, of what's about to come. Now, I've interviewed W.L. Hawken. It was her two books, Lure, which she references in this, in, in Writing with Your Muse. So it was Lure, her book Lure, Jesse and Hawk. That was episode 125. And the latest episode um, when I interviewed W.L. Hawken, it was about her book To Kill a King which is episode 149, all right? Now, I can't emphasize enough. What you're hearing on this podcast is what I am reading from Writing With Your Muse, from W.L. Hawkins' book. So I'm going to start with this one chapter. It's in part one, and it is called What is a Muse? I'm going to be reading from a section called The Contemporary Muse. Here we go. Fortunately, times have changed again. Men are no longer the only published authors, and women are no longer the only muses. At a time when anyone and everyone can write and publish, the muse can take as many shapes as the medium. Comparative mythologist Joseph Campbell has been one of my muses for 30 years. His wisdom has guided me through life, and his teachings on the hero's journey 
are ingrained in my psyche. Among the gold nuggets he offers is this. When you're caught by an author, songwriter, or poet, explore everything you can created by them. Another of my muses is singer-songwriter Peter Gabriel, and I'm experiencing his music in a whole new way as I dive into the sound and meaning of his songs. Peter Gabriel's voice inspired Connell Keogh, one of my favorite characters, in To Kill a King and To Dance with Destiny. Connell is a sensitive warrior and gifted droid bard from Iron Age, Ireland. This is Estrada's reaction when he first hears him sing. Now, Estrada, Estrada, Estrada is, oh gosh, <laughs> he's a hero. He is a hero in the sense of the word and just one incredible hero. Oh, yes. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the excerpt W.L. Hawken has in her book, um, and it's from To Kill a King. And like I said, we talked about this book in episode 149. One August, Estrada had come upon a 600-year-old yellow cedar tree that had been split by lightning only moments before. Its flesh was shredded in long furrows, and its raw, smoky perfume caught in his throat and brought tears to his eyes. Electricity shook the leaves like a shaman's rattle. Somewhere between smoke and brandied sap, its sticky blood drizzled down the rasps. He folded forward into its golden smoke. He thought of it now as he listened to Connell's voice. It caught in his gut like an iron fist and drew him in. Leaning over, he closed his eyes. He wanted more. He wanted to curl into Connell's yellow cedar soul and steam. And like I said, that is from To Kill a King. Now, W.L. continues on and she says, so we're kind of getting like a bit of a uh, behind the scenes uh, look into her, into her mind, actually. She says, in essence, artists who were once inspired by the muses themselves can become your muse. This is how literature continues to flow through generations. Words, beats, and images transcend time and space in this ongoing conversation. So if your feet are stuck in the sand, pull them out and dive into the pool where others have swum before. Soak up the inspiration of your creative mentors. In writing this book, I find myself traveling back to the words of my own muses. You'll find them sprinkled throughout this book in quotes, in wisdom, and in words. Now, like never before, you have at your fingertips a vast array of inspiration. In releasing and allowing these voices to resonate, you'll embark on a journey Ulysses would have adored. I propose that there is not just one muse for every artist, but several who wear many guises. The muse within and the muse without. 
regardless of gender, culture, or religion, the muse awaits and need only be invoked. This book will help you find and write with your muse. All right, so now let's get a taste of the next chapter, which is A Muse with Many Faces. The Muse Within. Some people believe that all intuitive knowledge in whatever form comes from a divine source. Call it God, call it universal energy, call it the great mystery, call it the force. Whatever you believe is personal and doesn't affect your ability to connect with your muse. Whether you believe in a muse within your divine soul or higher self or without another entity that connects with you doesn't matter either. What matters is knowing you have the power to access creative inspiration. I personally believe there is a force within my soul that will communicate with me if I'm in danger or ask for guidance. This is my intuitive voice and sense of inner knowing, something I call the muse within. The muse without. I also believe in spiritual energy, which includes characters who become real, spirit guides, angels, and people who've passed on. I refer to these beings as the muse without. Okay, and I, I, I'm, okay, we're going to go right into the next section, which is characters who become real. And this is where I had like a, a flashbulb moment. Okay, so here we go. I had read that excerpt about Estrada. So now we get to learn a little bit about what W.L. was feeling when she talks about characters who become real. So here we go. W.L. writes, Estrada, who is the hero of the Holly Stone Mysteries, first came to me in 2006. I didn't make him up. One day he just appeared. Estrada is a bisexual magician who works at a goth club in Vancouver. But if you ask him, he'll tell you that the most important thing in his life is his position as a high priest for Hollystone, a coven of Vancouver witches. I've chronicled Estrada's adventures for years, and he's always been easy to write, though he's a very different personality type than I am. Estrada is an extroverted, sensation-seeking showman who falls in love hard and fast, usually with the wrong people. He's flawed and often makes bad decisions, but he'll do anything to save those he loves. Like many of the characters in this series, I fell in love with him. Then, like Marjorie Williams' Velveteen Rabbit, he became real. At one of my strangest mediumship sessions, the woman who was reading for me talked of a man who was a dark, handsome adventurer, a kind of sexy swashbuckler who was up for anything. He was no one I knew in this lifetime and sounded way too much like Estrada to be anyone else. Yeah, I'm afraid I have to um, cut in here for a minute. Um, there is a reference to Wendy in this next section, and that's because W.L. stands for 
Wendy Louise. Okay. I just want to make sure so everyone has a clear understanding. So I will continue with Wendy's book. She can't be talking about my character, I thought. That's just too weird. But even as I thought it, I felt the riveting goosebumps of truth. The teacher asked, how does Wendy know him? My reader paused a moment and said, I feel like he's not a real person, like maybe she created him. Whoa, more goosebumps. Characters can become real, and when they do, writers are the luckiest people on earth. We become richer, bolder, and more authentic with our muse by our side. Plus, you can conjure your character whenever you're ready to write the next book in your series. Okay, now this is where I need to interject my little flashbulb moment. Everyone knows Spy Girls is, will be coming out. And I had an um, interviewer ask me, uh, because I mentioned how I'm now working on the first draft of a, a totally different novel, different series, okay? And the person asked me, we're going to get more of Jade. And I said, oh, yeah, she's just... And in my head, I couldn't help it. I just kept thinking, she's on a plane. Like, she's going to be on this plane until I can get to her story, continue on with her story. I get what Wendy is saying about characters becoming real. Because I know just this morning, I thought, God, I kind of want to get back to Jade's story. I'm so close to the end of the first draft of this other book. Now we're going to go on to Spirit Guides. Over the years, I've become aware of several of my personal spirit guides. In my early 30s, I was torn between Indigenous studies, which fed my soul, and English literature, which intrigued me. I went to see a psychic in Ontario who clearly saw two spirits standing behind me. One was an Indigenous man from a past life who I'd seen before in a vision, and the other was a strong female poet who resembled Emily Dickinson. Both spirits were vying to win me over to their wishes, and the result was confusion and indecision. I was stuck. The psychic told me to tell them to back off and let me make my own choice which is the best advice she could have given me. And so I share it here with you. Please remember that you are not at the mercy of your spirit guides. They should support you, not coerce or pressure you. If ever you feel you aren't in charge of your life or someone is telling you to do something questionable, something you're not ready to do, or something you're uncomfortable with, please seek professional help. If it's not absolutely yes, it's positively no. At the time, I went with my heart and chose Indigenous studies. During the course of my learning, my 75-year-old mother revealed that her father's family was Dutch and Tuscarora, the sixth nation of the Iroquois Confederacy. Whether that influenced my lifelong obsession with Indigenous studies, I can't say. But I wonder if I'd gone another route, would my mother have ever mentioned this ancestor at all? 
Sometimes I feel my great-great-grandmother's presence. She wants me to write her story, which I intend to do. Regardless, the healing I receive while studying with traditional elders and teachers in Ontario affected me in profound ways. All right, so now we're going to jump ahead to another chapter, and that is titled Methods of Communication. And I'm going to start with meditation. So under the subtitle Meditation, W.L. Hawken, Wendy, she writes, The sleep state and the meditative state are similar. Both help relieve stress and bring the body into a relaxed state. The difference is in consciousness. When we practice meditation, we must stay present and aware. Our senses may send us signals. I hear a train, or birds, or this music, or this voice. We may experience vivid imagery, hear music or voices, or converse with our muses. We might also do these things when we're asleep and unaware of what's happening around us when our body is at rest and our muscles are relaxed. Carve out a time in your day to practice. The more you practice, the more tuned and intuitive you'll become. Now we're going to move on to the Clares, okay? Wendy writes, I mentioned the Clares in the introduction. We each connect with and communicate with our muses differently. There are several ways documented in spiritual circles, but I'm going to mention the big three that we'll be working with in this book and offer some suggestions as to how to use these skills in your writing. Most people are stronger in one way than another, but you may be gifted in all three. Clairsentience, flashes and feelings. Clairsentience is one of the more commonly known clairs. We all have it to some degree and refer to it as intuition. You might have a feeling, a sense, you might just know something. You trust those feelings and know when someone isn't being honest or doesn't have the best intentions. It's the red flag feeling, the one you should heed. You can feel energy in a room or landscape. Some places may give you the creeps while others make you feel peaceful or inspire joy. In a room full of people, you know instinctively what's happening, who to approach and who to avoid. You may be emphatic, so friends are constantly asking you to listen as they work through their problems. Empaths experience other people's feelings and absorb their pain. If this is you, Be sure to erect boundaries and shield yourself. You don't want to take on someone else's stuff. Be aware of needy, narcissistic people or psychic vampires. If you feel drained, sick, or exhausted after talking to certain people, heed the signs. Build those energy walls. Perhaps you can sense spirits in the room. You might know where they're located, You might feel a shift in temperature, hot or cold, or you like walking in nature because you can feel the energy of sentient beings like trees, rocks, and water. It's calming and healing. 
You might also pick up feelings and insights from objects, jewelry, antiques, artifacts, or thrift store clothing. Where do you fall on the clairsentience scale? Okay, this is me, Joanna, kicking in here. I get my, I don't want to say healing, but calming. Yeah, calming and healing when I'm out walking the dogs and there's one spot on our street where you can see over the water, over the, you know, the Georgia Strait, you can see over the water, you can see the mountains and the ski runs on the mountains. And the sunrises have been just incredible. You know, you're, you're looking in the sky and you're seeing orange and lilacs and purples in the sky. And I'll just, I stop and I look at it and I try to take it all in because sometimes I feel in life we are in too much of a rush to take in what we've got around us. Okay, so now I'm going to duck out and I'm going to continue reading from Wendy's book. This next section is called Clairvoyance, Visions and Visuals. Clairvoyance means clear seeing. In your visualization work, you've been working on your clairvoyant skills. The chakra of vision is the third eye. When you want to work with your visionary abilities, bring your attention there to the center of your forehead. It's easier to slip into the theater if you close your physical eyes and open your spirit eyes. Many people who are clairvoyant are also observant. Are you drawn to symbols, words, which are strings of symbols, images, colors, and shapes? Do you notice the way the sun hits someone's hair or how a shadow crosses a face? Perhaps you're struck by the gold orbs in a friend's green eyes or you're a visual artist. Clairvoyants are vivid dreamers. When awake, you may slip into a daydream. I think Bastion from The Never-Ending Story must be clairvoyant. At least Michael Endy, the author, could be. Perhaps you're studying eagles in school, and the next thing you know, you're flying through the air, looking down at the earth like Bastion as he writes Falcor through Fantasia. Some clairvoyants see lights around a person's body or colored bursts in the air. I often see a halo around a person's head with my ordinary eyes while I'm chatting with them. When I write, I see movie scenes. Then, word by word, sentence by sentence, I type those images onto the page and into that first draft. I'll talk more about that in the section on word weaving. Now, the next section, Claire Audience, Words and Music. Claire Audience is the power of clear listening and is associated with the throat chakra. Do you often hear sounds, voices, words, or music playing in your head? Do you experience earworms, repeating songs that drive you mad and won't stop? Do strange songs pop into your head for no apparent reason? Perhaps one you haven't heard for 20 years. One day, I was driving with my daughter and singing a song in my head. She said, oh, I like that song, and reached over to turn up the radio. The radio's not on, I said. What song was it? Oh, that one about time. If I could turn back time? 
Yeah, that's the one. Cher sings it. Ah, I was singing that in my head. Our bonds are strong. You might have a relationship where you finish the other person's sentences and know what they're going to say before they say it. If you're a musician, it may be that you chose music because you had this gift and melodies come to you. In Irish folk tales, when poets slept on the mounded tombs, they brought back fairy music, intricate tunes, and long poems. Do you hear voices? If you do, remember that words must be loving and kind. If you're replaying a previous conversation or ruminating on something, it's psychological, not spiritual. Our minds constantly push out reams of backed-up conversations. This is not Claire audience. You know spirits talking when it's startling and it keeps returning as a message that gets louder. For example, the clairaudient people often hear their name shouted by a voice that's not their own. Writers talk about hearing words, conversations, and strings of poetry when they're doing something other than writing. Many poets write when they're out in nature. I know a mystery writer who gets his inspiration while driving around the city where his stories are set. Another author hears amazing stories in the shower. Another walks in nature every day when she's drafting a new book. I hear conversations when I go for walks or when I'm puttering around the house, cleaning and tidying or gardening. Now that most of us carry phones, recording an audio file is the best way to capture words and ideas. All right, so I'm not going to read all of W.L. Hawkins' book. I really want to end with this paragraph, okay? Actually, it's a paragraph and a poem. Many of us started writing in our teens when we were angry, sensitive, and fighting for independence from authority figures like our parents and their values. As rebel bards, we drew power from our differences and their indifference, and our pens acted as swords to cut us free from societal bonds. I still have reams of poetry and declarations that reflect the pain, suffering, and turmoil I experienced in ninth grade when my world imploded. Now here's her poem. Here's Wendy's poem. It's a maze, it's a haze, it's a crazy place. It's the world each day I have to face. The plastic people are insane. The atmosphere is drab, mundane. My life is getting hard to shake and pressures around me tense to break. It's a maze, it's a haze, it's a crazy place. And as long as I live, it's the world I'll face. I really love that. Now ending with this last paragraph from Wendy. Prophetic for an angsty 14-year-old, I still live in the same crazy world and I still navigate it with words. But life is good. Feeling well and healthy, I write now more than ever before. I don't need to suffer for my art and neither do you. That's it, people. That's it. That's the excerpt from W.L. Hawkins' book, Writing With Your Muse. 
I'm so glad she let me share that with you. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you walk away from this podcast just reflecting, questioning. Uh, If you're a writer, I hope you have inspiration. I really do. And I will have a link to W.L. Hawkins' um, website. And that's where you can find out more about her book, Writing With Your Muse. And I believe I have a link to the site if you want to purchase WL um, Writing With Your Muse. Okay, thanks for tuning in with me. Everyone stay warm, stay safe, and I will catch you next week. All right, bye-bye.